Hello everyone, it's Adam from Uprofot24 here again with my 14th episode of Meeting the 92. We're getting in, getting into the journey now and uh, I've come down to the South Coast for the first time on, on this little journey of mine today and right down to the southwest, the beautiful peninsula. And I mean, in Devon, just on just on the border with Cornwall, I think I'm right. And with Ben Gascoigne, who's living, living the dream, he's working for the club that he supports, his academy scout, Plymouth Argyle uh, down there. Hi, Ben. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, enjoying the sunshine down here in the southwest. Oh, yeah, I, it's been a beautiful weekend, I've heard, all over the UK. I was just talking, yeah, what was it, the World, the World Sailing Championships there this week? Yeah, they've had the World Sailing Championships down here today in the um, in the Plymouth Sound. So um, there's been thousands of people up on the um, seafront watching that, which has been brilliant. It's a nice spectacle for Plymouth. Um, just another sporting event, mostly um, off-seasons in progress at the moment, yeah. so it's good. Soon coming to the end. Soon coming to oh, yeah. the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting closer and closer now. We can't wait. I, I got, Before we start talking uh, about Plymouth in general, how, how did you sort how long have you been working for the club? And you know, how, how did it all sort of start clicking together, um, shall we say? So I've been involved for just under a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, um, my scouting journey sort of started at about 18 months ago in the start of lockdown really um, I started taking I was, I've always been involved with football um, played a lot when I was younger and been in and around clubs but um, as far as scouting terms came I started taking courses and got in and started doing really well um, got quite a lot of interest from um, my reports that I was writing on LinkedIn and had a few people contact me and Plymouth contacted me. Um, the head of academy recruitment there got in contact and wanted me to get involved. And I was also involved with events in Denmark, um, doing some talent um, ID for them and a bit of opposition scouting. Um, and that came to an end a few months ago. Um, I wanted to step away and just concentrate on Plymouth. Um, but it's been the younger ages that I've been generally working with, um, sort of the sevens, eights, nines, and a fair bit with looking for um, potential scholars. So we're looking at Cat One clubs, um, guys that have been released from there, which we've, we've managed to get a couple of good guys in, um, a couple of young lads, and they're doing really well. So, yeah, that's, that's the journey so far. Short uh, but sweet. <laughs> but enjoyable nonetheless. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'm loving it. Do you get out into, have you been able to get out into the community much with the role or is it based at the academy? No, yeah, yeah, we get about. Um, last month was down in Cornwall, um, couple, even a couple of hours more south than Plymouth. Wow. Um, watching, yeah, I know, it's, it's hard to believe you can get any further down, but it does go further. Um, watching cup finals, we do a lot in Cornwall. Um, we've got a lot of trust. Um, our community trust do a lot of work down in Cornwall as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Cornish FA do a fantastic job. Um, so yeah, we generally try and get to cup finals, semi-finals down there. There's loads of talent. It's a massive catchment area, Cornwall. Um, if we didn't utilize, utilize it, mm-hmm. it would be ridiculous, really, for the for the size of the area and the talent that's down there. Um, it's a real bonus for Plymouth to be able to get that and be sort of the closest pro club to that area. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's um, 
I mean, before we get into them, let's, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit more because it's something I've been interested in. One of my first ever sort of club podcasts was with Ross County. I mean, you probably can't get any, you can't get any further in professional football on the British Isles to, from, from, <laughs> from Plymouth. But in Ross, you know, when I was up there, I, I was talking to the guys, you know, they were talking about the fact they had this huge camp catchment area up in the highlands with all the small communities <coughs> and it was a big part of the club to get out out, out to them because there is i mean bar, bar for inverness up there there was nowhere else for the kids to go play is it is it a similar thing you know obviously plymouth are in devon but cornwall next door is there a, you know that desire for kids to come and join you yeah there's a there's, there's a huge amount of talent in cornwall um huge population um, we are the closest professional club. There is um, Truro City, which is the only city in Cornwall who are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've just gone up to the Conference South. So they're doing well. They're not far away. Um, and they do have some good lads coming through. Um, and generally, guys who get released from Plymouth will go and play for Truro. It's, so it's that's great for them because that's mm-hmm. pretty close. Um, but in terms of the academy's catchment area, Plymouth can pretty much take the pickings at Cornwall. Um, obviously, you get the odd player where other guys, other teams will come in, um, but we're predominantly the the only side down here. I mean, you've got Exeter Academy, um, mm-hmm. who are a very good academy, to be fair. They do well. Um, and there's now St. Southwest. So Southampton have got a um, sort of mini academy down here, dotted, oh. around, dotted around Devon and Cornwall. Um They've, so they've got one in North Devon um, and they've got one down in Truro, actually, I believe. Um, so they set, they've just got training sessions going. They've got coaches that will that will work for them. Um, they'll just set training sessions away for the, for the locals. And, but that's good for us because it gathers all the players together from various different clubs. So instead of us having to go and hit their all but, in, they're almost doing our job for us a little bit because <laughs> um, all the clubs are coming in and we can then go in and have a look and yeah. we've got quite a good relationship with them. They're happy for us to get involved and and um, take a look at the kids. So, yeah, it's really good. But the catchment area is fantastic. The talent in Cornwall is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Ryan Steve, uh, Ryan, no, Jack Stevens, sorry, at Southampton Centre-Half. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they, um, he, they picked him up down in Millbrook from Cornwall. Um, obviously he's done fantastically well and there's been various others as well that have done really really well and gone on to play sort of championship level which oh, is yeah. good oh, brilliant 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 of course Plymouth it's I think is it Bath apart from Bristol they, is it the biggest city apart from Bristol that hasn't appeared in the Premier League am I right, right with that or I think something? it's the biggest I think it is. They are now the biggest city. The, the biggest. I think whole city were. And then before, it was whole yeah. city. Then they, when they went up, it was Plymouth. Now so, you've got close a few times over the years, but uh, yes. it's 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 been a bit of a roller coaster journey. I mean, even in my lifetime, what what been the high points? You know, sort of following because you're not only a, a a scout for Plymouth, you are a Plymouth fan. You know, for some um, yeah. The, uh, so what have been the high points for the club over the years? So in my lifetime, I think the Ian Holloway era 
Um, well, we had the Paul Sturrock era, um, did very well, sort of 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when we started making our push up to the championship. So we were a League Two side, um, but we had some great players. Um, we had a couple of French guys, Roman Lario, the keeper, David Frio, who's gone on to scout for Manchester United. I think he's at Montpellier now. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic players, and they were far too good for that division. Um, but they loved it down here. Um, and I can always remember um, a 2 0 win against QPR. I was there after a game. We played the DJM league. So the youth, youth leagues here, the local leagues called the DJM. Um, and we'd go in our kit straight after a game, get to Plymouth, get to Argo. Um, and yeah, QPR game 2 0. That pretty much clinched his promotion back up to, I think that was from League One to the Championship. I could be wrong. I could be League Two to League One. Um, That sort of set us us on our journey. And then sort of a couple of years after that, Ian Holloway took charge. And at one point, we were sitting pretty at the top of the championship. We had Sylvan Evanks-Blake up top. Of course you did. Um, Lillian Nallis in midfield. Uh, We had a a really good side. The best side I've seen down here um, in my lifetime. Uh, but unfortunately, it just sort of all unravelled at the final moment. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, we were top of the championship and it sort of started going downhill. And I think we had back-to-back relegations and there we go. We're in back in League Two. Um, and we were there for a long time, struggling at one point. Um, but Lowy, Ryan Lowe's come in now and doing a superb job and sort of... Um, Changed the makeup of the club mm. to, be, to be fair to him. Um, the new owners are fantastic. Um, Ryan Lowe's just give us an identity, um, which the club needed um, on the pitch. Sort of, they've always been a huge team, a huge side, huge stadium, huge city for where they play when they were playing in League Two, even League One. They're a huge club, really, for League One. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never had any identity on the pitch, really. I'd say. But sort of Lowy's given us that now. And fingers crossed, they're, they're moving in the right direction. They've got promotion to the League One, had a steady season last year. Um, and I think this year will be sort of outside contenders for playoffs, in my opinion, um, if, it, if we get a good run of form going. It's uh, going to be a tough league, League One, this year. There's so really, many. Such a good yeah. league. Yeah. Such a good division, yeah. From top to bottom, everybody can pretty much beat them, beat each other. Um, very much like the championship, I guess. There's yeah. there's not many teams in the championship who can't beat each other, and, and League One's pretty similar, to be honest. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now you mentioned, of course, the stadium there being, you know, one of being too big for League One and League yeah. and League Two, definitely. Um, you. Know, there's some huge ones, aren't there, in League One this year? I'm thinking about Stadium of Light and Hillsborough and all of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Home, Home Park's had such a... Is it still called Home Park? I have to ask. In, is, yeah. in, in the yeah. year of sponsorship, we have to double-check these things. No, <laughs> thankfully, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kept its name. And, um, yeah, it's still Home Park. I think it holds just over 20,000 capacity, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like 40 when it's full. Mm-hmm. Um in obviously in recent times that hasn't been and um, we've been doing refurbishing the grandstand so um for the majority of the last couple of years we've been with three sides 
Yeah. And the fourth side's been a building site, but the the fans are fantastic. Um, they make a racket. And we've still been getting ten to thirteen thousand there, um, which in League Two is fantastic. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Ben, because uh, I remember the the stadium being, you know, one of those sort of really probably traditional, hardy, you know, how that I'm trying to think of the adjective here, but it was a, a classic ground, put it that way, yeah. before the redevelopment. Um, what were the fans? It certainly needed the redevelopment. What was it? Was it that in in that sort of state where it was falling apart at the seams or? Was it a case of wanting to push for modernisation? I think it was more of a push for modernisation, yeah. really. Um, yeah, they. I mean, it was an old stadium, just like there's many of them around the country. Yeah. Um, that need that need a bit of um, tender love and care, but yeah, they, uh, they. I think it was just to try and push the club on. Um, they did a fantastic job with that. Um, originally, they did the first three sides, so they kept the grandstand. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sort of like the main stand where the changing rooms are. And um, they kept that up until sort of 18 months, two years ago, when they started rebuilding that and redeveloping it, should I say. Um, and they've done a fantastic job so far. It's a nice state-of-the-art um, facility now, really. Uh, cool. I mean, with the fans behind it, because I, 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 I mean, I have to ask, because sometimes I talk to support groups and they're like, yeah, we preferred it the old way, <laughs> but we understand we have to change it. But we prefer you. Know, what was what was the general mood down there at the time? I think, in terms of what I've heard, po- always positive. Ah, cool. Um, of course, there's going to be there's going to be a few that have been going their whole lives, and you can't blame them for wanting <laughs> yeah. to stay the same because that's all they know. Yeah. Um, but they're also happy that the club's moving in a good direction mm-hmm. and. Um, that they can see a brighter future for the club, really. And it needed doing, it needed modernising, and the time came for it to happen. And they've done a fantastic job. Um, They've actually been using it lately as a um, vaccination centre for COVID. So they've done, they've just hit 200,000 vaccinations in the new grandstand, which it's also served the community Mm. in in the best way possible lately as well. So it's really good. Uh, That's brilliant. I mean, what, what facilities are in the in the main grandstand? Is it more sort of corporatized or they've still got the usual seating area? They've still got they haven't taken anything away from the fans. So the, mm-hmm. I think the capacity may have been reduced by a thousand or so, or two thousand maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they've just got better corporate facilities. It's something they've never had at the club. Um, they've whereas the, the grandstand wasn't falling to bits, but it was old, it needed re, revitalizing. Yeah. And sort of the box, the boxed areas um, were tiny. They were n- no bigger than sort of half of a living room in your house. So yeah. you could fit five or six people in there and you were struggling for space. So <laughs> now they've sort of modernised it, made them areas a bit bigger. They've got brilliant corporate areas. They've got great dining areas. So you can have an experience now. Yeah. Um, whereas before it wasn't so such a great experience it was um, <laughs> now not taking anything away from the club it was yeah. just the the gra- it just needed re- revitalizing really ah cool i mean one of the nice things about having a redevelopment like that instead of a, a new build which a lot of clubs go down i assume the ground's still quite central in the city am i, am yeah. I right in thinking that how close yeah. to the center are you mile 
Oh, brilliant. Um, you've got maybe a five-minute walk up from the train station. Um, and, yeah, that's the city centre is the other side of that. So you may be looking at a mile, five, ten-minute walk, or, yeah, ten-minute walk. Ah, oh, great. You know, it's... It's one of the things you sort of hear supporters complain about, isn't it? When they get moved out into the sticks, you can still... Well, add- yeah. <laughs> the um, positioning of the, of the ground is perfect, really. It's five minutes off the motorway if you're driving down as an away fan or you're getting a coach um, or five-minute walk from the train station. Um, and, yeah, nice and close to the city centre for the, for the home fans as well. So it's all pretty central. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, you mentioned there about the... Uh, the COVID vaccination program, which it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I, I always believe that clubs don't get the praise they deserve for the work they do in the community. I mean, uh, yeah. what's what sort of programs do the Plymouth run to support the community in general? So there is something called the Argyle Community Trust. So they are separate entities. So they're a separate entity from the club, but they're supported by the club. So they, they sort of run side by side um, and they're doing fantastic things at the moment. I mean, they've been running 25 years now, I think, the Argo Trust. Um, and they're doing everything from your help with disabilities, mm-hmm. allowing um, disabled football to, to have a place and supporting with that, to helping people with their education, um, helping the less fortunate um who may need a little bit of help and support um and they they're giving that to them um there's they've recently built a manaton Man- something called the manaton sports hub which um is basically a it's in the center of one of the little um sort of suburbs of Plymouth um and it's an astral turf complex basically where they've built an extra few pit grass pitches, built a nice sports hub. Um, you can play, there's a cricket pitch there. Um, it's really bringing the community together there and the academy play out of there. The pitches are fantastic. So you've got sort of your seven or even the pre-academies, your five, six-year-olds um, every Saturday and Sunday, they're playing there. Um, and they also have local leagues there. So that's run by the, by the trust. Oh, that's uh, great. Got the trust coaches there for the for the youngsters um, playing a league every weekend. And yeah, it's brilliant. Oh, they also do that down in Cornwall as well. Oh, really? So they get out, uh, out yeah, to the communities? Yeah, they do a lot. Yeah, they do a lot in Cornwall as well. So it's not just Plymouth. It's um, your surrounding areas of Devon, your North Devon, your, your, um, your Cornwall area as well. And they've been, I think they're beginning to do something now new with um, ex-veterans um, they're setting up some dementia calves for oh, patients, and, yeah. patients and carers. Um, and they've just partnered with Plymouth Raiders, the basketball team here. Um, they're going to set up a partnership with them just trying. I think that's going to be predominantly getting around schools and getting people involved and kids involved with sport. And um, so they can see both areas. So it's not all right. You have to play football. You have to do this. Oh, no, it's the game you love. Um, you don't have to throw it down people's throats you just want to get them out and about and playing sport and doing something they love um and they're also doing a um post 16s football scholarship for ladies and girls um 
and a female empowerment group, which is going to be absolutely fantastic and something the city definitely needs. Oh, that's brilliant. That's great to hear. I mean, my, my congratulations to all the good work going on down there. Well, yeah, they, they put a lot of hard work into them and um, they, they're doing a fantastic job. Uh, um, we've mentioned, we've, been, we've spoken a bit here about Cornwall and I'll, I'll, I'm also curious going the other direction. You've got uh, obviously Exeter as a league club up the road and uh, Torquay as a former league club. Up the, up the road. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, what's the relationship like with them compared to, I mean, you said you've got quite good affiliation with Truro, but what's the relationship like with Exeter and Torquay? Um, Torquay, there's a good relationship. We've, um, we, they've had a couple of our young lads on loan mm-hmm. um, that are just sort of, they've come through 18s. We haven't got a 23 side, so... It's basically 18s to first team. Um, so it's quite a jump. So they try and send a couple of guys out on loan. And Torquay has been a destination for a couple of guys. Um, Adam Randall um, won last year. Centre midfielder, had a fantastic season. Oh, he's a, he's a Plymouth boy. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be playing for us this year, I expect. Oh, wow. I oh, yeah, I like, I like him. Very good player, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, technically very, very good. Um, and he was at Torquay and really helped with their push to try and get them up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, unfortunately, just missed out. But Plymouth and Torquay have got a relatively good, good um, relationship, and the fans have. To be fair, it's there's there's quite a good relationship between the fans. Um, Exeter, they're the rivals. Um, they're the Devon <laughs> rivals. There's um, yeah, there's not many friendly, <laughs> friendly conversations between the Argo and Exeter fans. To be honest, oh, fair um, enough. And we've we've. Both sides have had their ups and downs, and we've done better than them, and they've done better than us f- over the last few years. So it's been quite a roller coaster of emotions in them derbies. Um, but they're quite um, Exeter on a Tuesday night at, at home park is a hell of an atmosphere. Um, pretty hostile, everything you'd want from a derby, really. No, nothing over the top, but it's it's one of those gritty, gritty derbies where. There's a lot of feeling, a lot of passion. Um, two relatively small cities, really. Um, you're in close 40-minute drive of each other down the motorway um, that just will want to do nothing other than beat each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's, there's construction sites where there'll, there'll be a lot of Exeter fans and a lot of Plymouth fans working on the same site and they want to have that bragging right. Oh, wow. And, um, it, it happens all the time. Um, I'm an electrician by trade and I come across a lot of Exeter City fans and they give me plenty of stick and I'll make sure that I give it back. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's all in good jest. But yeah, it is a pretty pretty big rivalry, to be fair. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, now, I've, I've lost I've lost my train of thought there. I apologise. No, oh, that, I did want to ask. I mean, Obviously, uh, Yeovil, Bristol, a bit further up the road. Is anything with them or are they just considered? Yeah, Bristol has always been, I mean, when we were doing well and we were meeting Bristol in the championship and um, we meet Bristol, we've met Bristol Rovers a few times. They're always a good side and it's always a good atmosphere. It's still that southwest, sort of the West Country derbies. Um, They're all all great atmospheres. Um, 
even back to when we were playing, we would always play Cardiff City in the Championship on a Tuesday night. I don't know why it fell on a Tuesday night, but Home Park would always be packed to the rafters. Similar vibe. Um, and absolutely bouncing under the lights on a Tuesday. It would always be freezing. Um, but that added to it, it was just one of those, again, that was quite a gritty, dark, gritty rivalry um, that they had a great following. Plymouth used to make a lot of noise. They were two good sides and they always had a real good battle on the pitch, um, which sort of set the tempo for the fans as well to be singing. And it was, yeah, it was good. But yeah, the um, the West Country derbies, they've all got something about them. Ah, good, um, good, good. I got, you know, I got, you've already kind of answered, I, you're quite a noisy bunch then, I take it down there as. Yeah, I think they're quite a well, well, we're quite a well-respected away away following um yeah. i can't imagine well i know for a fact there's not as many no other away following travels as much as plymouth as you can imagine yeah <laughs> um because we're just you couldn't get any more south yeah um but they'll still sell out their away away um mm. following every week every away game it's sold out there's people trying to get into the home the home end and not yeah, they're trying to get tickets in the home end because they can't can't get an away ticket. It's mm-hmm. just the following is absolutely fantastic. And I know the players and the, the coaching staff and the management team absolutely adore the away fans um, just because they make such a good racket. <laughs> when um, We've always had a good away record, actually, and I thoroughly believe that that's, that's the, one of the reasons why. Oh, definitely. Um, so definitely. The players get such a buzz off, such a fantastic atmosphere from the away fans. And talking about home park, where where do these you know the, these noisy fans tend to congregate? Is there a goal that they prefer or something like that? Um, it's from end to end, really. So the away fans are stuck behind one goal, and then um, I think it's the Devonport end um, is where they make a good racket, mm-hmm. um, and up towards the away fans as well. So they'll try and drown the away fans out, I think. <laughs> okay. So um, but to be fair, there's around the whole ground, I would say they love to make noise. So you you'll get your little family you'll get your family section which may not be as loud, but the kids love it. They get involved. <laughs> you see them jumping up and down, um trying to join into all the songs, which is what that's what makes the memories and that's what makes oh, people fall in love with football, isn't it? So I'm sure we've all been there when we've been seven, eight, nine, ten years old and you hear a chant for the first time and you think that's amazing. You'd go into school and you sing it, don't you? So um, oh, Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you get in trouble for that as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I mean, where, are there any places the fans like to sort of congregate before the game? Are there any sort of, you know football pubs near the ground is there a bar in the yeah there's a couple of social clubs where the home fans go um there is um i think the green tavern is um at the stadium so there's a good there's a couple of big bars there's a marquee there um sort of a supporters marquee um where the where the fans go to drink there's also the plymouth barbican um which being so close to the city center the the club the fans have a drink down there on the waterfront especially in the summer um there's no better place to have a drink in on a marina, um, overlooking the sea. A few ah, nice pubs. Do a pub run and then walk straight up to the straight up to the ground. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Uh, I mean, 
being on the, on the coast stand there, you must have a few good chippies that the fans like going to <laughs> near the ground, am I? Yeah. Am I, am I right in thinking that? To any? be honest, there's, um, there's too many to, for me to remember the names of any of those. They're all good. Um, and I've had my fair share. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's very, very good. There we go. So anybody going to Plymouth, make sure you go and grab some fish and chips before you yeah, get, get down on the barbecue and have a drink and some fish and chips. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's the dream. Get there early on a match day and you'll be set for life. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously we're recording this pre-season and I think it probably will go out pre-season as well. But I mean, how's, how's pre-season been going so far for the club? You know, what the what the... I think it's been pretty positive, to be fair, for the first team. Um, our 18s in the academy, um, we drew one all with Arsenal the other, last week, mm-hmm. which is a massive, massive result. Um, shows the work that they're doing in the academy at 18s. They've got some a fantastic group there. The management team is superb. Um, Darren Way is doing a fantastic job there. Um and yeah, they they've got a bit of a scope with with the one all against Arsenal. Um, as far as the first team goes, they've made some fantastic additions to the team. Um, they've shored up the spine of the of the team, um, which I think most fans and um, people around the club would say that's what was needed. They needed to live, they play lovely football. They needed to solid up a bit at the back, um, which now they've made some great additions. Um, which is which is fantastic, um, and they're having a positive preseason so far. I believe um, they've played right. a few of the local sides, um, sort of the local semi-pro sides, and then had some good runouts. Get some, get a bit of build a bit of fitness. Um, I think we've got Swansea City on Tuesday night, um, which I'm hoping to get to, um, which will be good. It'll just be a bit of a test. So um, see the new guys in action. I haven't seen any of them play yet. Um, yeah, that'd be good. So, yeah, it's positive so far, I believe. Ah, that's brilliant. I wish you the best to look for it. It's, say, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be a cracking season. And now, yeah, I, know, and, and now I know that Adam Randall is a, is a Plymouth boy. I'm going to be watching very carefully to see how much game <laughs> time he gets. Because I'm, I'm hoping, I'd, I mean, on the back of what he did at Torquay, uh, I'm hoping he gets plenty of game time because he's a very, very good, talented young man. Um and I mean, they've got talented players. They've they've brought in some some decent players in in the centre of the park as well. They've got some cracking players. Um, but I think Adam could hold his own, um, yeah. and oh, he'll be in and he'll be in and around that team. I'm sure by the end of the season, he'll be he'll he'll have really made a push for that first team. Older Fortin. Ah, brilliant, brilliant. Now, if people listening then who you know want to follow the Plymouth story a little bit more, where's the best place on the social media sort of networks to? Um, I'd say Twitter. Twitter. So yeah, just, just the app Plymouth Argo. Yeah, um, their Twitter account's brilliant. They're they're very active. Um, obviously, all the social medias, Instagram as well. They're very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, t- mainly Twitter. I would say, um, everything's posted on there. Or highlights, links to games, links to the webs club's website. Um, you'll find it all on there. And the social media team do a great job. Um, they're very involved. They get involved with with the fans, and they, yeah, they, they keep people involved in the club. So it's it's really good. 
Brilliant, brilliant. And I mean, as well for people sort of listening, you know, with you being in the academy, the scouting, if they want to follow what you're up to, is there anywhere they can get in touch with you? Yeah, um, um, I've got a little, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've also got a Twitter account at Ben Gascoigne. My Instagram is uh, ben Gascoin. There we <laughs> nothing, are. Nice nothing, um, nothing complicated. <laughs> no one's nice. going to struggle to find me, but um, yeah, mainly my Twitter account is um, is where I do most, and my, and LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, is where I do most of um, posting my work and and stuff like that. I'll post the odd odd report. Um, obviously, nothing to do with generally what the club's doing, um, just in terms of my personal development, really. Um, obviously being well being new to the to the scene in terms of I've only been around it for 18 months I've still got a, a mass amount to learn so um, yeah my personal development I generally like to post out things and try and get as much feedback as I can. Uh, wish you the best of luck and wish Plymouth the best of luck as well for the season. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah. Well, that, that's it for today, everyone. Of course, I'm Adam at Ukrafoot24. You can follow me across all the social medias as well. But till next time, uh, take care, stay safe, and here's to a great season ahead. Bye-bye for now.